Today we continue this series called Hope for the Broken. And as I was thinking about our, our topic this morning, I was thinking about card playing. And, and in our house, we don't play poker or anything. The card game that we usually choose is Uno. And, and if you're like my family, you don't just play this once or twice. You probably played it, if you've got kids, probably a thousand times, right? And, uh, and it starts out like any other game. You, you sit down at the table, and the, the dealer starts passing out the cards to everybody, and everybody gets their cards. They get seven cards, and then you start to play the game. Well, if you're a parent, that gets boring over and over and over again. You try to think of some excuse to get away from playing. Or if you're like me, you try to come up with some different rules. And so I came up with a couple of different rules one time when we were playing with the kids. I said, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to put all the cards right here in the middle of the table. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick your seven cards. Kids looked at me like, what are you talking about, Dad? I was like, any card. You, they couldn't see the value. Just pick any seven cards. You do that, I'll do that, and then we'll, we'll start playing. They're like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. So we played a game with everybody picking their own cards. Next time around, I said, hey, here's the deal. What card do you want? You get one card. You get to choose your card. What card do you want? And of course, everybody said, give me the, give me the wild draw four. So everybody got that, and then I handed out the other six cards, and, and we started playing. My wife, Kara, was there with us, and I can't remember if she was playing or watching, and, and I noticed that she was starting to sweat, and she was starting to shake a little bit. I said, are, are you okay? Are you are sick? She's like, what are you doing? I said, we're just playing cards. She said, that's not how you do it. I mean, you got to pass it out one person at a time. You, you can't just change the rules. My wife tends to be very black and white, and I tend to add a little gray to things that are happening in, in life. And, and so we, we got past that, and she saw that it was fun, and we kept playing. Here's the deal. When you get those cards playing Uno or any card game, you got to play the hand you're dealt. And if you think about life, life's really not any different. It's like a card game. We are dealt certain cards that we have to play. There's things in our life that we can't choose. You didn't get to choose your parents. You didn't get to choose where you were born and when you were born. You didn't get to choose your, your hair color, your eye color, your skin color, the gifts, the abilities that we have. We don't get to choose those things. They're a part of the hand that you and I have been dealt in life. And so the question I think we have to wrestle with is, with the cards that we have and the hand that we've been dealt, how do we play that hand? How do we live the life that, that God intends for us to live with, with the hand that we've been dealt? And so over the next few moments, I want us to focus on that. I want to talk about that. Let us understand who we are. And if we understand who we are, then I think we can begin to play the hand that we've been dealt. Uh, to help us think through this this morning, I'm going to look at a story that um, we're all familiar with. We kind of hit bits and pieces of it in, in church. But I want to look at not the whole story, but most of the story of, of Adam and Eve. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We'll put it up here on the screen. Or if you have your Journey Church app, you can open it up, hit the notes button, and follow along there. By the way, if you don't have the Journey Church app, make sure you download it today. We have all kinds of stuff on there. It's a great way to give. It's a great way to see our announcements. You can sign up for events and, and things that are happening here. So make sure that you, you do that. Here's why I want to look at the story of Adam and Eve. I think we are in many ways a mirror image to the experiences and the life that Adam and Eve had. We forget about that. But I want to talk about that this morning. And again, we're going to hit most of the story um, in bits and pieces, but I think there's something to learn from them. Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
human body is pretty amazing. Each one of us have about 37 trillion cells, give or take 10 or 20 trillion here or there, just depends. But we got about 37 trillion cells inside of us. There are about 60,000 miles of blood vessels coursing throughout our body. Our brains can hold 2.5 million gigabytes of data. Again, that depends on your college experience, though. Um, the surface area of your lungs would fill one side of a tennis court. Your nose can smell 50,000 different smells. Our tongues have 10,000 taste buds, and they replenish themselves every two weeks. Our eyes are able to distinguish 10 million colors. That's just a small part of who we are, but, but this, is, this is a part of, of you and, and I. You want to know what makes you, you, you want to know part of the hand that you've been dealt at your chemistry, it's your DNA, it's the hormones, it's the genes, it's your heart, your brain, your lungs. All of these cells and, and this matter just kind of mesh together to make you, you, to make me, me. Now granted, we know we have flaws and we know we have strengths. You know, some of us in here, when it comes to pain, <laughs> you just touch you and you just start screaming and yelling because your pain tolerance is very low. Others in here, you can snap your leg during the middle of the worship service and look at them like, hey, can somebody take me to the hospital? Why aren't you crying? Why aren't you upset? Well, it doesn't really hurt, but I need you to take me to the doctor. I mean, we just have very high pain tolerances. Think about energy levels. Some of you, you wake up, and as soon as you wake up, boom, you're on the go. And you don't stop till you go to sleep at night. And even when you sleep for three or four hours at night, you know what you do? You move all night long. Your spouse is like, you didn't stop moving all night, but that's just how you are. You don't know how to stop. Then there's others of us in here, we don't know how to go. Low energy. It's like a sloth moving through life. But that's who we are. That's how we're created. That's how we're made. We have bad backs, eyesight issues, hearing problems. I mean, some of us, our backs are great. We have 2015 vision. We can hear anything. We have weaknesses and flaws and strengths and who we are. But you know what? This is the hand we're dealt. That was the hand that Adam was dealt too. He was created by God like a potter creates pottery. An artist creating this art. That's who God was and that's what he did for Adam. And you and I are like Adam in that way. Part of the hand that we're dealt is our chemistry. Look at verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. I love airports. I don't really like to fly a whole lot, but I love airports. Um, I love airplanes. I love looking at airplanes, watching airplanes, but I love people. And if there's any place that's better to watch people, it, it's in the airport, right? So many different people, so many different characteristics, so many personalities. And we can list a whole bunch of them. Here's a couple. I'm the busy bee person. Like they're go, 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 go the whole time. You're in their way. They're jumping and running over things because they're trying to make their connecting flight. They're, it's already 9 a.m. They've used up all the battery power on their phone. They're trying to find a USB. Your kid's playing a video game. They're trying to pull it out so they can put their USB in because they've got more important things to do. I mean, these people are busy, busy, busy. Maybe you're one of those individuals. Then you got the disheveled person. This is the person that um, you can smell from a mile away. You can tell they haven't combed their hair. They haven't taken a shower. Uh, they're probably sleeping or have the same clothes on they've had the last couple of days. They don't even pack in a bag. They just have everything in their arm. And that person always sits right beside you in the airplane. There's the impatient person. This is the person who shows up at the airport and the lines are too long at the counter. 
Lines are too long at security. Lines are too long at Starbucks. Lines are too long at the gate. The lines are too long getting into the airplane. The line, the airplane sitting on the tarmac, too long. And they complain the whole time. They <sighs> sigh the whole time. They say good grief all the time. And they probably say other words that we can't repeat in a place like this. But, but you know these impatient per- people. And I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna be honest for a moment. There's probably a few of you in this room. Okay. I know a lot of you travel. Maybe that's you. But we have these different characteristics and different personalities within an airport setting. I love to, to watch people in that setting. One of my favorite travelers, though, are kids. And it's the kids that's pulling the luggage with them. You know, the kid's about this tall, got these little tiny legs. But, man, they are using those legs to pull that luggage. And they're switching arms all the time because they're getting tired. And, and you want to go over to them and like, hey, can I help you? But that would be really weird to do that in the airport and you might get in trouble for doing that. But you just watch them and, and you know something about them. That's their luggage to carry. That's their baggage to pull. You know what makes you you? Your circumstances. You know what those circumstances are? That's the baggage that you and I carry with us everywhere we go, all throughout our lives. It's the experiences that we have in life. The traumas, the troubles, the sufferings, the, the stress, the shame, the shock, the problems, the pain, the rejections, the failures, the crisis, the abuse, all of those things, they shape our identity. They shape who we are. And you know what those experiences become? Those experiences become scars that are that are tattooed on our hearts and our minds and our souls and sadly some of our bodies forever, for a lifetime. But those circumstances, they're what make us who we are. Adam didn't get a choice. God made him and said, hey, boom, you're going to be in this garden and you need to take care of it. He was put in that place. That was his experience and it's the same for us. Part of the hand that you and I are dealt are the circumstances that we face in life. We didn't choose those circumstances, but they've happened, and they're part of us. The story continues on in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Skip on down to verse 20. It says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Adam's in this garden, and he's alone. The animals are there, and it seems like, you know, God's trying to figure out, is he going to connect with the animals? Thankfully, that didn't happen. But God says, i got to do something about this. i got to make some changes. And so he makes Eve. And so Adam has Eve to have this connection, this relationship with. Eve is created not only for for Adam, but but Adam is there for Eve too. And so there's this connection that is there. And what makes you and I who we are today are the connections, the relationships in our life. I'm who I am because of Jerry and Suzanne Simpkins, my mom and dad. Because of my two younger brothers, Chris and Jason, because of the schools I attended, the friends that I have, the church that I went to, the places I worked, all of those connections, all of those relationships, they make me who I am today. And it's the same with you. Your relationships, your connections, they have made you who you are today. Because we're products of that. We're products of those relationships and those connections. Some of those are healthy. Your parents were always present. They loved you. They cared for you. 
They challenged you. They pushed you. They led you forward. They let you make mistakes, and they helped you learn from those mistakes. Maybe you grew up in a, in a community setting where it was like family. Everybody knew each other. Everybody took care of each other. Maybe you went to a church where you felt like an adopted kid because people would have you over. They loved on you. See, some of us have had and grown up in these very healthy relationships. And others of us, we've had a tough go of it. Our parents were non-existent, inattentive, too busy, they didn't care about us. The relationships we had were stressful, they were painful, they were hurtful, maybe even abusive. Those relationships, they, they build us into who we are. And so the connections and relationships that we've had in our past, and even today, they define our identity. We are a product of those connections. And how we view life, how we view ourselves, how we view others, very much is defined by our experiences and the relationships we've had in the past in our life. So again, that's part of the hand that you and I have been dealt, our connections. Move on down to chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. Listen to this next sentence here. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So many times we've had this picture that he's away. He's actually standing right there when all this is taking place. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Another thing that makes you you is really a wild card in this whole thing it's your choices we get to make choices every single day you and i get to make choices and, and when you're playing when you're playing uno that wild card is it's a it's like gold and then you got that card this is the best card that you can have but but our choices have such an impact on our identity and who we are today in the the garden story here in this particular moment in Adam and Eve's lives, God says, hey guys, all this is yours. Use it. Enjoy it. Do whatever you want here. But here's one thing. Don't eat from this one tree. God gives them free will. He says, you have the ability to make choices in this place. And what did Adam and, do, and Eve did, do? Well, supposedly for many years, who knows how long, they, they enjoyed it. They had a great time. But then one day, they gave in. They made the wrong choice. And that choice affected them the rest of their lives. The neat thing is you and I have freedom to choose. And our freedom to choose can be a great blessing. Maybe it was the school you went to, the people or the person that you dated, the person you married, the job that you took. I mean, all these things, the place that you live. You get to make these choices, and maybe that's a blessing in your life. But when we have a freedom of choice, we can also make it the greatest curse Again, it could be the person that you dated, the person that you married, you married way too early. It could be the job choice that you make that you wish you had never done. 
It could be that you wore white after Labor Day, and we all know that that's a curse if you do that. You're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. Our choices, they help us, they're a blessing, and they're a curse. They're a blessing to us and to others, but they can also be a curse to us and to others. But that's our choice to make. And if we're not careful like Adam and Eve, we make a choice that leads us down a deep, dark path that we have to live out the rest of our life. But again, it's part of the hand that we're dealt are our choices. Look at verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And by the way, what you're seeing on the screen is a little bit different. I made a change this morning, so I apologize for that. Um, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Again, he was there. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. My wife and I have very dif different uh, sleep patterns. Um, at night when we go to bed, she takes about two or three hours to go to sleep. I mean, she's just thinking about all kinds of different stuff. When, when I go to bed, I lay my head down, and when it hits the pillow, I'm out cold. There's been a few instances she's accused me of uh, going to sleep during a conversation, which I, of course, don't remember happening, but she said I've done that. Now, vice versa, when, um, when we wake up in the middle of the night, if we wake up in the middle of the night, it's pretty amazing because she'll go right back to sleep. She could do all kinds of stuff, and as soon as she goes back into bed, she lays her head down, boom, she's out. She's snoring. But, but me, I can't go back to sleep in the middle of the night. I just I lay there and lay there, and I start to think. And I start to plan, and I have some great plans that happen in the middle of the night, but I don't write any of them down, so I forget about them the next day, and I'm trying to remember what was I thinking about the night before. I, I play scenarios over my head. I had this conversation, and I sent this email, and I did this. And you know what? I, I, I'm not sure that was right. Did I say the right thing? Did I act the right way? Did I, did I send the right email out? I mean, I play all these scenarios around in my head because I have this, like you, this inner voice that speaks to me. See, part of the thing that makes you, you, is your consciousness. It's this inner voice that we all have. But here's the scary part. It's our toughest critic. And here's the, the even scarier part about our consciousness, this inner voice. It lies to us all the time. Not coming from other people outside us. It's coming from inside of who we are. And you know what? We listen to those lies. And we begin to believe those lies. And we begin to live those lies out in our lives. I mean, that consciousness that we have has such power. It tells us, hey, you're not good enough. Hey, you know what? They are better than you. You, you are a, a loser. You are ugly. And we listen to those lies and we begin to believe them. And again, they become our identity. Uh, you may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with what we just read with Adam and Eve? I, I can only imagine that... Um, when they ate from that tree, I wonder what the conversation was like internally for both of them. I, I know they had conversations together, but, but I wonder what they were thinking inside. And my guess is they were, they were pretty upset. I can't believe we did that. Why did I do that? Why did I let her do that? Why did I let the serpent do that? They started to have these conversations inside of their minds. And it got them to a place of where they made a bad choice, right? God said, what did you do? And they said, <laughs> Adam said, it's her fault. 
God said to Eve, what did you do? And Eve said, oh, it's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. Because that inner voice inside of us lies to us and we begin to believe what it says and we become that person. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. I, I'd change it maybe a little bit to this other way. Be careful what you think because your thoughts ruin your life if you're not careful. What we think runs our life and what we think can ruin our life too. But again, it's part of the hand that you and I have been dealt a consciousness. If we take those five cards that we've been dealt, that hand that we have, and we began to to look at those those cards, what do you see? More than likely you see Adam and Eve. More than likely you see the person sitting beside you. And you definitely see yourself in these cards. This is a hand that you and I have been dealt in our life. And so the question is, how do we how do we deal with that? How do we deal with the hand that we've been dealt? Because some of these places that we've been, some of the things that we've experienced, they're pretty deep, dark places. And so how do we move forward and play the hand in a, in a healthy way? We talked about making choices, and I think we can choose to take the next steps in our life. And, and I want to share with you five, real quick, these five next steps that I think are important for us to understand how we can play the cards we've been dealt. First is this, we can choose to get healthier. Uh, I know that sounds kind of weird. It's like, what does that have to do with church? And I, I'm going to get to that in a moment. But it'd be great if you had more energy, less stress. It'd be great if we slept more, slept better. I mean, it'd be awesome if, if we, we were just healthy all the time. And these are things that are under our control. When you go to the doctor and the doctor says, here's the problem I see. Here's what you need to do to fix it. What do we normally say? Thanks, doc, for telling me that. I'll get right on it. And then you go back to the doctor a year later, and he says, man, this is looking a little bit worse. You know, I thought we talked about this. This is what you need to do. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, I'll get on that when I get back home. And we never do it. We never do it. We've been gifted time by God. We don't know how long, but we've been gifted time. And we've been gifted our bodies. And with time and our bodies, we can do amazing things with who we are. We can get to a place of being healthy. Now, why would we do that? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. How are you treating your body? How are you honoring it? Are you treating it like a temple? Why would we do that? Because God's Holy Spirit, if we're a follower of Christ, lives inside of us. And so maybe today you got to go home and make that phone call that you haven't made. Maybe today you got to go work out the gym that you've been paying for for the past three years and haven't used at all. Maybe you need to go home and say, hey, I'm going to bed at 8.30 tonight. I know I'm going to have to miss my show, but I'm going to go to bed at 8.30. I can DVR it. And maybe tomorrow morning you have to go to work and have to quit your job. Maybe that's the thing you need to do. Now make sure you have a job for backup before you quit your job. That way you're not blaming me. But, but maybe that's what you've got to do. We got to choose to make ourselves to get or to, to get healthier. And we got to play that card. Here's the second thing. We got to choose to deepen our relationships. Um, you go to a party in a social setting and you walk into the room. What do you start thinking about? Start thinking about yourself, don't you? Do I look okay? Why are those people looking at me? What's wrong? I've got a spinach stuck between my teeth. 
I mean, these are the things that we begin to ask ourselves when we walk into this, this social setting. And here's the funny part. We think all these people that are there are looking at us. You know what the people there are thinking? Do I look okay? Why are these people looking at me? Why am I wrong? What's wrong with me? Do I have a spinach stuck between my teeth? Everybody's thinking the exact same thing. When you walk into the church building, you're thinking that. Everybody else is thinking the exact same thing. And the reason is we're selfish. We're self-centered. Every single one of us are that way. And we're self-centered because we fear rejection. And to really have deeper relationships, we've got to get beyond that rejection. And so how do we defeat rejection? I actually think it's pretty simple. It comes out of Matthew 22. Uh, Jesus is having a conversation with a, with a religious leader. And the religious leader says, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's one word that's the same here, love. See, I think the thing for us to do when we live our lives so selfishly is to think about love. And specifically, we'll talk about loving Jesus in a second, but, but about loving others. It's so important that we love other people. It's why I have to remind myself constantly, Chad, this life is not about you. I have to tell myself that. This life is not about me. It's not about me. It's about loving other people. People. And maybe for us, we have to get to a place where that's our motto. That's what we say every day. Today is not about me. It's about loving other people. And if you want deeper relationships, which I think we're all created for, we have to learn to stop being self-centered and learn to love others. It's so important for our lives, especially if we want to get to a healthy place. That's why we push life groups all the time. If you want to be a part of a life group, we love to do that. Now, some of our groups take the summer off. Some of them are kind of in a transition right now until the summer begins. But if you would love to be in a life group over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a list of our life groups that are meeting this summer. And we'd love for you to jump in and to be a part of that. But, but you've got to learn to play that card to deepen your relationships. Third thing, choose to trust God no matter what happens. Um, that's hard. When your life's falling apart, when you feel rejected, when your marriage is crumbling, your relationships are broken, you lost your job, your finances are a mess, it's really hard to trust, trust God. I think we become a prisoner in our own little world from our experiences in the past and what we're going through now. And the sad part is there's no door to get out of. We don't know how to get out of this prison and it feels like the walls are, are continuing to, to fall in on us. But I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 34.1. He says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I shared before that our first child uh, died and was stillborn at seven and a half months into uh, our pregnancy. And um, for us, our world was falling apart. We were newly married. We were living in a town and a state that we didn't know very many people, just the people at the church we were working at, no family. Our world was falling apart. We didn't know what to do. And I'm not going to lie to you, there was a lot of doubt and questions, and sadness, and tears, and I was very angry with God, but the one thing my wife Kara and I knew that we had to do was we knew we had to trust God through that. That's the only, that's the only thing we had to hold on to, was to trust God when our world was falling apart. And you know what God did? Even though there were still questions, even though there was still doubt, even though there was still sadness, God, God let us out of that prison. How much do you trust God? How much do you let God lead you out of the prison that you may find yourself in? I know it's hard. 
But if you want to make it out, I think it's the only thing you can do. And Karen and I have said over and over since that happened, uh, gosh, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, we have said, we don't know how people make it who don't trust God when their world's falling apart. And a lot of times they don't. A lot of times they don't. But we got to play that card to trust God no matter what. Fourth thing, choose what I think about. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. Jerry actually talked about that last week. You can go back and listen to that message. But I do want to just quickly share Romans 12 too. It says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If we change the way we think, we can change how we see ourselves, how we see others, the way that we look at our bodies, the way that we, we feel about who we are. And we can begin to understand what God thinks about us, which is so much more important. So we have to play that card to choose what we think about. And then lastly, five, we got to choose to follow Jesus. We all choose to follow something in life, a career, a person, our family, a retirement fund. I mean, we, we all have something that we follow in, in life, but, but what we know is that true happiness doesn't come from that. Uh, Jim Carrey, the comedian, says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Solomon in Ecclesiastes says, we're chasing the wind. Guess what you do with the wind? You never catch it. You can hunt for it. You can look for it. But you're never going to catch it. You're chasing the wind. So you and I have two choices. We can chase the wind, which so many people decide to do. And in the end, you know what we do? We live a life full of nothing. Got a cushy job. Got a nice bank account. We drive some nice cars. We go on some extravagant vacations. But in the end, it doesn't mean a thing. It's the wind. It's gone. We can choose to follow Jesus, which means you might not have that big bank account. You might have a cushy job. I don't know. But if we're following Jesus, it gives our life meaning. It gives us purpose. It gives us a new life. 2 Corinthians 5 says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Jesus is the wild card that we've been dealt. You know, in Uno, if you get the wild card, you don't say, hey, I don't want this. Can I get another card? No, you take it. It's important. It changes the game. And for us, it's the same way. This, this Uno or this, this draw four, it's, it's important. This wild card is important. We want to keep it. We want to use it. When we play at our home, our son Jake uh, if you know him at all, we can always tell when he gets a wild card, especially a draw four. No poker face, whatever. <laughs> Big old smile on his face. If you know Jake, you've probably seen that smile. He's smiling like, dude, you gotta, you got to draw four. He's like, no, I don't. Like, yes, you do. Your face gives you away. <laughs> when you got this card, you want it. And at the right time, you play it, right? You make that person change, uh, draw four. You change the color. It changes the game. And Jesus changes the game for you and I gives us meaning, gives us purpose, makes us healthy, makes us strong, helps with the anxieties and, and the fears that we have. And if we follow Jesus, it leads us to the place that God has always desired for us to be in. You want to play a powerful card in the game of life? Choose to follow Jesus. We've all been giving cards to play. We have this hand that we have have been dealt. We have this hand of chemistry and circumstances and connections and consciousness and the, the choices we make. And so how do we, how do we play those cards? It's the most important decisions we can make. How we play the hand that we've been dealt. 
so much here that we can learn from the story of Adam and Eve. But the beauty of their story, I think, comes out of sort of an innocuous verse. Genesis 3.20 says, Then the man Adam named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. All that mess they went through, decisions they made, what does God do? God still takes care of them. You've been dealt these cards, and I've been dealt my cards. And you know what? No matter who we are, no matter the hand that we've been dealt, God still takes care of us. I think that's something we can learn from the story of Adam and Eve, and I think it's something that you and I need to understand and live every single day. I hope you'll do that. I hope you won't look at your cards and think you have to throw them away. I hope you'll play them, and you'll let God use you in amazing ways so you and I can live the life God intended for us to live. Let's pray.